Super Talk Mississippi media production. Find your new ride at Kia McCombs all-new location at the corner of I-55 and Highway 98. Come find out why McComb loves Kia McComb at the corner of I-55 and Highway 98. Right on the corner, right on the price. I'm Steve Azar, and I'm on the other side of the microphone, meaning I'm asking the questions this time, and oh, have mercy for the airwaves. I spent 20 years in Music City, wrote and made some hits, traveled the world, and then moved my family back to the birthplace of American music and where the magnolia trees prosper. And now every time I put my feet on Mississippi soil, when I'm off the road, well, I'm at peace. On this show, it's all about hearing the stories straight from the mouths of the friends I've made along the way, their journey to success. Heck, there might be someone on, I don't even know, but you know how us Mississippi types are. We tend to take well to new company. In a Mississippi Minute, all 60 of them. I'm Steve Azar. It's just like that muddy river moving slow. Ain't no worries, it's how life goes. In a Mississippi Minute. That's right. Today on In a Mississippi Minute needs zero intro, but I'm doing one anyway, because that's how I roll. I think I can safely say he's the only guy that I've ever done a duet with, if that's what you call it, duo, duet. I also can say is someone I got to catch a pass or two pregame in Lambeau Field back in the day when he'd let me. Just glad for my finger's sake that he didn't throw his fastball. He was always sweet and nice about it, especially when it got really cold. But serious, the history he made on the football field at the quarterback position is unparalleled to anything in our time, anything I've ever seen. And it was a thing of beauty to watch somebody play the game with such passion and vigor. Simply put, and arguably so, he is the greatest football player I feel I've ever seen play the game. And we can claim him as his own. That's the way we roll down in Mississippi. Let's say hey, hey, hey to the first NFL quarterback to ever pass for 500 TDs, 70,000 yards, complete 6,000 passes, Hall of Fame member, Super Bowl MVP, our old number four, Brett Favre. Hey, Brett, what's up? Not much, Steve. Some of that stuff I'd kind of forgotten, you know. Over yeah. time, you, yeah. you know, uh, I ain't as good as I once was or, <laughs> boy, I used to could or um, – <laughs> Thanks for reminding me that I was actually pretty decent. Man, it was a lot of fun. I got to tell you, I felt like I was watching a kid, you know, which you, which has been documented. I won't be the first one to say this, and it's very cliche, but it was, it was always just, it was like watching a kid on the playground, but that was very, uh, it was very good. I <laughs> just in control. Well, <laughs> well I, I, you know, I appreciate it. You know, and I think, the thing that I hear the most that really makes me smile, makes me, you know, not stick my chest out, but makes me appreciate what I did more than anything else that, that people say is that, man, I miss, I'm, you know, of course, I say I miss uh, watching you play, but they'll say, you you played it like a kid. I mean, you you made it look fun. Right. And, and I, to me, that's always been sort of a, yeah, not not confusing, but perplexing. Uh, uh, you know, whatever you want to call it. You know, I'm like, well, I, I was having fun. You know, mm-hmm. are you saying that other people don't give that impression? And and maybe that's, you know, what in a roundabout way is what they're saying is that you look like you you were playing for free and had a blast <laughs> doing it, and others are getting paid an outrageous amount of money, and it's it seems to be work to them. 
And so I'm thankful that I, I got to play. I was always thankful that I was I was able to suit up and play. And I never took a game for granted nor a play. Because of that, I'm extremely thankful. Um, wasn't perfect. Wasn't always good. But, I, you know, and I said this in my Hall of Fame speech, and I meant it 100%. There was never a time where I did not give 100%. Again, right. wasn't perfect. and wasn't the best. Right. But because of the effort that I gave and, and, and what I put into it, I got back the same uh, reward. I love it. We're talking to Brett Favre. Brett, I got to ask you, just just from the passion and, and, and getting to know your your mom and dad uh, early yep. on in the in the in the mid '90s, um, there was there was some there was a common thread, especially with your brothers and your dad and your mom. Just just kind of hanging with them. There was just this desire to do everything at one hundred percent. I you know I could just listen to your dad talk, and uh, I just really he I was trying to have a hit. I hadn't I didn't have a hit yet. I mean, I made a really bad record, and he just always made me feel good about moving forward, you know? So growing up as a kid and having him as a coach and a dad, I know what he meant to you. Was it was it on the field? Was it at the dinner table? Was it a combination of your mom and dad that instilled this sort of go get them, just, you know, have a great time but leave it all out there? Yes and no. Uh, and I'll say this, and you know, there's a lot of books and there's a lot of daytime talk shows there's a lot of websites that you can go to on how to be a parent and, and how to steer your kids in this direction how to toughen your kids how to and who is to say what's right and i don't know if there you know i think the general consensus you know agrees that you know this formula works versus this formula but like for me you know, my dad was tough i mean he was and i said this again in my hall of fame speech i mean he was short on praise and and long on tough love very very i could count on one finger the times and and that may be a stretch the times that he said to me man that was awesome i'm proud of you you did a great job i don't know if you could have done any better mm-hmm. uh, in fact he said that zero times now <laughs> that may you know some people listening to this may say well well that ain't no good but, you, you know, you had to know the dynamics between my dad and I. Now, that may not work with me and my kids or grandkids. Right. That may not work with you and your kids. But with me, you know, and I don't think my dad ever strategized and, and woke up and said, all right, this is what I'm going to do today. Um, you know, he just, that was an old school mentality. Right. And he felt like if he ever gave me any praise that I would, I would get complacent. I know. I mean, I, as I look back now, and have looked back after he passed away, I, and, and really analyzed things, I, I see what he was what he's doing. You know, he, there was this fear: my son may get complacent, or he he may forget where he came from, or he may forget. And so there was never he never opened that door to complacency, if you will, right, right or wrong. It's the way it was. But the thing that that worked for for me was really that I kind of instilled, I mean, I'm sure it came from my parents, but it, but it was just from as far back as I can remember. I knew what I was going to do, and there was nothing that was going to detour me in, in any direction. I was either going to play pro football or I was going to play pro baseball, uh, one of the two. And I was committed to, to being the best that I could possibly be w- within my control. And what I mean by that, 
I couldn't get any taller. That was not in my control, but I could get faster. I could get stronger. Right. I could throw the ball further and harder. I, I, I could be a student of the game. And those things, I, mean, I was religious about doing it. Uh, you know, I'm thankful for that because that motivation and that drive is obviously what got me there. Brett, we're talking to Brett Favre. Brett, did you ever feel like you're talking baseball growing up in football? <clears throat> did you ever feel like inadequate, like just average at at, at any point? You know, because in my career, a lot of times I'd go, that just, I'm not that good. My dad was my high school coach. My sophomore year, I was going to be starting quarterback for our high school team. Uh, the day before we actually started camp, I got uh, I was diagnosed with mononucleosis. Well, that, that in itself is not a, a season-ending injury, but I had got over it like a week or two later. Uh, they found out that my spleen, uh, because of this mononucleosis, had swollen to a to a dangerous size and and it was just too uh too risky to play that year and so that was that was a humbling time and to sit and watch but it was a it was a time that i i was able to physically grow and was able to eat and lift weights and really do that was all i had was able to do and it got me bigger and stronger but i think my junior and senior year my dad's my coach Scouts were not beating down the door, and part of the reason was, uh, I don't blame him for anything, but it was the style of offense he ran. You know, there were guys that were lighting up in those days. If you threw for 1,500 yards in the season, you people came to watch. Like, my goodness, nowadays you're throwing for four, five, 6,000 in high school. In right, 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 right. <laughs> uh, but, but in those days, you know, there were some guys that were throwing for – 1,500, 2,000 yards, uh, even 1,000 yards was a lot. And But I was throwing for 150 in a season. And so You're kidding. they didn't knock down the doors. You're kidding. Uh, no. So we no just we ran, ran, you know, we what? ran the wishbone, oh, and most young kids today do not even know what the wishbone is. But it, it, passing is, is the last thing that you go over in the playbook uh, in, in wishbone. And so, you know, I, I often question if, if I would ever make it. I thought I could. I thought I was good enough. I knew I could outthrow most people. Now, most people at that time was the county I grew up in, Hancock County, and basically the coast, uh, because that's all the local news is. All, you didn't have social media. You didn't have all this instant, uh, uh, you know, news. You know, at, you know, at your fingertips. So what I was comparing myself to was, you know, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten quarterbacks uh, in the in the coastal area. They were all rated higher than me, so I, you have to, you know, you have to think, boy, the odds are definitely not in my favor. And I, so, I mean, I was not the smartest guy in the world, but I thought, well, I got to. You know, first of all, I got a long ways to go because people don't even know who I am, nor do they care. So, yeah, that was a humbling time, and you know, at different times in my in my college and, and pro career, you know, I got brought back down to earth. Uh, the good thing is, is that I never got too too big for my own self you know uh, right i always kind of remained true to who i was and and was able to maintain that work ethic and perseverance and and that, again that certain level of confidence that uh, you know got shattered at times but i felt like you know i'm here for a reason and and i'm gonna stay i love it we're talking to brett Favre. you're in a mississippi minute we're gonna be right back In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. 
Steve Azar. We're back in a Mississippi minute, all 60 of them, because that's how we rule. I am with my old pal, Brett Favre, is my guest today. How yep. the heck did everybody – Who? how did Southern come calling? With Was it running well, numbers? What was it? Well, I, you know, I love telling the story because, uh, you know, it's just, you know, people go, they scratch their head and go, what? <laughs> uh, back in those days, a lot of things – were, were word of mouth. So you got to go see this guy, man, over in Hancock County. He can throw the fire out of the ball, you know, and that, that trickles down to this guy, to that guy. To, you know, imagine if you're a, a, a position coach back in those days and there's no social media, so you can't, you know, now you can't help but see one of the greatest plays in high school last night, you know. <laughs> yeah, or, you got to lug, you got to make your way to a game and actually physically attend. <laughs> yeah, or, or you get to know people. So there was the offensive line coach for the Southern Miss Golden Eagles at the time was a guy named Mark McHale. Mark was assigned the Gulf Coast, so he had the the, the entire Gulf Coast, Gulf Coast, Hancock, Harrison, Jackson County, Pearl River County, Marion, Stone, you know, so the southern tier of Mississippi, and he had part of the southern tier of Louisiana and, and Mobile and Panhandle of Florida. And so, you know, that's a pretty good area to cover, especially when the only way you would know about a player in those days would be you just go from school to school and just watch, which was virtually impossible mm-hmm. uh, to, you know, as your season is going on yourself. Uh, or a coach or a parent would send a VHS or beta tape in uh, if we're dating ourselves. Or you you make phone calls and say, uh, hey, coach, like, like in the case with me, my dad being my coach, Mark McHale made a call, said, hey, I'm Coach McHale. I'm the offensive line coach at Southern Miss. I have the recruiting area uh, of the Gulf Coast in Louisiana and, and Alabama. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm about to hit the road. Um, just wondering if you you have any players that you think are worthy of consideration. He said, yeah, my son. But long story short, Mark McHale made his way down. Uh, he and my dad visited. He asked my dad for you know, uh, first of all, how, how much I threw, blah, blah, blah. And he said, well, we run the wishbone. He, he, not much at all. And, 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 in fact, true story, he says, if you want to watch my son throw, you have to get here for pregame because that's when he throws. And that's a true story. <laughs> that is crazy. Um, Mark McHale and, and my dad ended up hitting it off and be, became very close friends. And I'll be honest with you, and I don't know, and Coach McHale, who I still talk to today, um, would never admit it, but I think he he fought tooth and nail to get me a scholarship offer more than anything else because he felt like dad was his close friend and he owed it to him. Now, Come right on. or wrong, I, I'm telling you, because imagine if you're Mark McHale and you go into a staff meeting and everyone, and the head coach says, all right, who's your top recruits? and he, uh, Who's worthy of a scholarship? And, and Coach McHale says, well, this young quarterback down at Hancock, Brett Favre, Okay, what, what's the stat? Well, he's thrown for 70 yards in six games. And, you, and you're the head coach, and you go, what? And he, you're wanting him to be our quarterback? Well, you know, he's got intangibles. He's got all this stuff. You know, coaches, don't, they don't want to hear that. Yeah, that's uh, great. They want to hear results. But yet, he fought for me, and, and, and basically how he sold it to, to then the head coach, Jim Carmody, was, this kid is versatile, which at the time I was. I, I was the punter. I was a starting safety. I played on kickoff team. I played on kickoff return. I played everything. 
you know, I was offered a scholarship the evening before the actual uh, signing day, only because the quarterback in Florida had, had backed out and, and chose to go elsewhere, and I got my chance. And that was the only uh, big D1 school that had given me an offer. Wow. That's crazy. Okay, so yeah. when you start, do, does the head coach notice your arm strength immediately, or does it take a minute? First three days, the rookies or the freshmen had to come in early. All right. That was, I don't even know if they do that anymore. And so what we did is you kind of get a, you know, uh, they just kind of get you the routine stuff. And then, then after the third day, the veterans came in. You know, back then, you got right into it. You're full pad the first morning. And what they did was the, the freshmen, in the mornings, you you played whatever position you would play on offense. And then in the afternoons, you would – so I would play quarterback in the morning uh, or be a quarterback in the morning. And in the evenings, I would be a defensive back. And you did that until I kind of determined what you would be. My quarterback work, if you want to call it that, was to give the first and second defensive uh, team – a look. So I was a scout team quarterback. I was last on the depth chart. I think I was seventh or eighth. Basically what they said, hey, you try to beat the defense is basically what they, they said. And so I ran around. <laughs> I mean, it was no design to the play. I mean, I'd scramble. And, and I, and I, at the time, all I wanted to do was show that I could throw it better than anyone else. Mm-hmm. And so I'd sling one 80 yards or <laughs> knock a, a guy's face mask off or, you know, something like that. And so the coaches did recognize this guy has got something that other guys don't have. Yeah. And if we can heart, you know, this is, I, I wasn't privy to this conversation, but I got to believe they were saying, if we can harness what he's got and, and teach him the game, we got something special here. And that's kind of how it started. So they're noticing that. I mean, they got to see your arm strength. I mean, come on. Because it's, you know, it's, it's documented. We've seen it our whole lives. It's special, right? There's not many people that could throw it yeah. like you. So they're all of a sudden you're going in and they're going like <laughs> that, that 150 yards a year. <laughs> they're probably thinking jackpot. Um, how fast was it before you started? You're a freshman, right? I mean, did they right. back in the day? They played freshman. We weren't that. We're not that old. Yeah. So it, did you did you make your way to? Okay, you start at seventh. You think on the depth chart. Where do you end up in season one? Oh, okay, so I'm last on the depth chart. I understood that. You know, uh, I didn't particularly like it, but because I was the last, you know, uh, pick and really not their first choice, second or third choice. Right. They had draft, not draft, excuse me. They yeah. signed three quarterbacks that year. Uh, the first quarterback was a guy named Michael Jackson, who was from Kentwood, Louisiana. He. Uh, was a Gatorade Player of the Year. He was the Louisiana Player of the Year. He won the state championship. He was the the, the only, I think he was the only player at the time to rush and throw for two thousand yards in a season. Yeah, um, he was a, a, just an incredible athlete. Um, so you know, I'm thinking to myself, I'm just reading this bio and stuff, and <laughs> I'm like, I don't stand a chance. <laughs> um, he was he was their he was their uh, premier sign. And, and I'll, I'll finish the rest of that story, but Michael Jackson ended up becoming a receiver and ended up playing about 10 years in the National Football League as a receiver. Uh, so he had a great career. And he and I had a we, – we were a great combination at Southern Miss. Great guy, too. The other quarterback was a young young, young guy from Bowles High School in Jacksonville, Florida, uh, who was strictly a quarterback. And I ended up beating him out. Um, and the other – the 
sophomore, juniors, and uh, senior quarterbacks who were already on the roster. Um, a couple got hurt. The others, when they got in, they didn't play as well as they would like. And so I sort of moved up the depth chart in, in training camp. Right. We opened the season at Alabama, who was the defending national champions. We go up there, and I'm third on the – so I make the traveling squad third. And I, I was thinking, boy, I hope I get in. Well, as the game got underway, I was hoping that they didn't put me in because they were absolutely destroying us. They had Derek Thomas and Broderick Thomas coming off the edge, and they were they were loaded. We lost 38-7. to The next week, we opened at home against Tulane. And so I'm still third. We're losing 17-3 at half. They, the coach uh, who recruited me, Mark McHale, the offensive line coach, said, son, get ready. You're going to go in in the second half. And <laughs> did I did I know all the plays and, and, and get a lot of reps? Absolutely not. But, you know, the, the old saying, you got to be ready. Yeah. You know, I, I was 17 years old, and I thought I was I was ready. And in some ways I was, and in some ways I wasn't. If it, if it was supposed to be a seven-step drop, I probably took nine. If it was a five-step <laughs> drop, I took three. But, man, I did it full tilt, and we yeah. came back and won, and the rest was history. That was it. What game is that? That was it. That was freshman year. What game in the season? That's the second second the second game of the year is when I came in. The third the third game of my my true freshman year, we, we played Texas A and M in Jackson. They were third in the country, and that was my first start. And and we almost beat them. You know, I never looked back. Wow. I mean, that's crazy. We're talking to Brett Favre, and I'm loving this because this is the stuff that I like. I like the very, very way back seat, like the, the third row back seat of your life because it's, it's the part that, that where it all had to happen like it did for you to become a great NFL quarterback. Brett, you get to play DJ right now. I'm keeping it in South Mississippi with Birthplace of American Music. I've heard you even sing, and you got like a little Leonard Skinner sort of sound thing to you that I love. But anyway, the point is, Tell me, would you like to hear a little Jimmy Buffett or a little little uh, Three Doors Down? Oh man, I like both. I, I'd have to go with my Southern Miss uh, fellow alum and Jimmy Buffett. You got it. Yeah, you can't choose two receivers at one time. You got to throw to one guy. <laughs> we're gonna, we're gonna listen to a little Jimmy Buffett. We're with the great Brett Favre. Stand by. We Hi, I'm Billy Kinder, host of Big Billy Kinder Outdoors. Hear the show Saturdays at 1, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Turkeys, whitetail, Grenada Lake crappie, or Gulfport redfish. We enjoy it all, especially when you're in camp with us on Super Talk Mississippi. Good Things with Rebecca Turner. Weekdays starting at 2 p.m. here on Super Talk Mississippi. And now on Amazon Alexa Devices. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. I'm Steve Azar. We're in a Mississippi Minute uh, with Brett Favre. Uh, he is riding around on his farm. He's in his truck, as, which is uh, very fitting for this interview. I've had Michael Waltrip on the golf course rather than in his race car. I've had John Daly like uh, on the stage. rather. Anyway, everybody's in a different place. Uh, hey, Brett. Okay, so you, your freshman—I mean, your freshman year—does your dad 
Does Irv, you, you call him and go, hey, Dad, I'm starting now. I mean, was it even ever like, is this crazy or, okay, great. It sounds like he probably said, okay, good. I mean, and at that point, did you go, hey, Dad, you should have let me throw it in high school? <laughs> uh, well, I I can't tell you how many times I said, um, and, and this is this is up well into the pros as well as college. Uh, you know, I said, we had, I wouldn't call it an argument, but we would, you call it what you want. I said, you know, Dad. If you would have thrown the ball, imagine what I could have done. <laughs> and you know, you and you, you knew my dad. Yeah. Well, my dad would say, "I have worked out pretty damn good, didn't it?" <laughs> and, and I said, uh, "Yeah, it did." <laughs> uh, so he's like, "What are you complaining about?" I'm like, uh, "Well, uh, I'm just saying." Yeah, I love it. You know, we had that conversation. I can't tell you how many times. He's probably thinking he preserved your arm strength, you know, your arm and, and kept your shoulders intact without, you know, throwing all year, you know? <laughs> oh, hell, it, yeah, he had some crazy reason. Well, so, uh, but, so it, but it did work. It worked out. No, it did work. But your dad obviously knew your strength and your arm. Were you a pitcher growing up in baseball, Brett? Yes, yes, I was. And obviously yeah. you could hum it? How fast? I probably threw in the mid nineties. Um, I, I would say baseball was my favorite sport. And, and if and if you were to pin me down at seventeen years old and you said, "Brett, all right, you're going to make it into a professional sports. Which one do you think it's going to be? Not which one do you like necessarily, but which one do you think you got a better chance of playing professional?" I would have told you baseball. Um, I just felt like I was a more rounded. Uh, player shortstop was really my my favorite uh, position, but I pitched, I played third, I caught. Uh, I, I think I was a good hitter. I could have been better, um, but then in comparison to football, I could you know I had really nothing to to look to other than I could throw it a long ways and throw it harder than anyone. Uh, right. You know, so I did. I, I couldn't say well I throw the corner out better than anyone. I, I you know I just it was pregame throws. But baseball, you know, I, I had a body of work that, in my opinion, spoke for itself. Oh, no, there's no doubt. And and when I would go to Green Bay, <clears throat> I mean, I went uh, that year that we did the, for people that don't know, Brett and I did a record together for the NFL. They were doing some sort of deal, and that's how we met. They paired us together. Yeah. Uh, when when I would notice <laughs> every week, I think Brooks or, or Freeman came a little later, but I can't remember who it was, but every every game I'd come to, I noticed that they have more tape on their fingers, like there's like there's splints, and I mean, how many fingers did you actually break? Did you ever keep like count like a bowl of fingers or something like that? <laughs> I, I don't know an actual number, but I would say I know that there was a couple in college um, that I broke, and I know Donald Driver for you know uh, for for one dislocated his finger where the where the like the knuckle popped out of the skin. Yeah. Um, and, and that happened actually more than an actual break, believe it or not. Um, and I, I, I couldn't tell you why other than I probably threw it pretty hard. Yeah, well, yeah. Um, yeah. But I'd say five to ten probably. Okay, so five to ten. I love it. Like see like a little bowl of marbles. You had a little bowl of fingers. All right, let me ask you this. Yeah. What about uh, the – okay, so when 
I'd you'd throw the ball to us or whatever. And I remember back then, Jimmy Mack was was doing drop kicks all yeah. the time. I was going like, what What's going on over there? What What about how when the ball got really when it was cold, like really cold, right? Negative wind chill, all that. Yeah. The ball felt like ice to me. It was slick. How'd you grab it and throw? I mean, was there anything you had on your hands to help you grip the ball, or it never was an issue? No, it, it was an issue. I mean, that that was an issue that that. Uh, you know, I never, of course, growing up in Mississippi, you never think, you, you, know, you just never think about having a, a, a frozen ball. And at the time, uh, in, in those days, they would not let you uh, practice or, or, or rough the balls up during the week. So you virtually the, the balls you played with were right out of the box, and those were so slick. Yeah. And on, on good condition. Um, fortunately, I had... Big enough hands that uh, you know it, it helped a tremendous amount. But I think you know the the thing that and people ask me all the time, what'd you do about your hands? You know, I I carry these heat packs in this pouch, and and I constantly kept my hands in that in that pouch. And so for a brief five seconds or so, when I would take my hands out, they were a little sweaty and moist. You know, a little humidity on them. Uh, now. I had about five, six, seven seconds before the time I took him out and the play was over that it, that it would stay that way. Um, and then, you know, my hands got extremely slick. So uh, it was, you know, it was a process, uh, kind of learning how to dress. Um, you know, you, you couldn't completely stay warm, but there is a trick to it. And, and it took a little bit of time. Um, and and kind of learning from other guys and what what have you done before and uh, technology got a little bit better and, and things like that but yeah that that was that was uh, I took a little getting used to you know the thing is I used I used to ask for the coldest game to do I want a cold game to do the anthem and you kept going I was crazy but one time it caught up with me it was so cold and I think it was Sunday night football or Monday night football I think I'm pretty sure I did both of them but it may have been Sunday night football for this one Um, I remember having uh, those you know the hunter like you said those little heat pads I had them I had them in my pants I had them around my neck I had them I, I bet I had 30 or 40 of them and I was chattering. Now, when it was time to sing the anthem, you, you forget. And sort of the the uniqueness of being in Green Bay for people that don't understand. And you got to do this on a on a weekly uh, level. Well, whenever you guys at home games was amazing because everybody zoned in. I felt like they were everybody was it reminded me of the Ryman Auditorium, the original Ryman in Nashville. When you play music, there's this feeling like this. And I know everybody talks about it's like church, but it is because you everybody's singing. You don't feel like you're singing it by yourself. You don't feel like you're on a stage alone. You feel like you're with a bunch of friends. <laughs> so playing football there had to be the same thing. But I also do remember that that was difficult that day doing that. And uh, it was hard, man. And so I, after that, I, I realized what you were talking about. And I really respected even more so how you were able to play the game and get hit and throw it and, and be productive on a football field when all I was doing was freaking singing. You know, so I, I just I, – that was another level of respect. I'm telling you, after that game, I had to thaw my feet out. 
Um, you know, Jeff, your brother wanted me to hang out about two, three hours before I had to have a voice. He never understood that, you know, <laughs> and I was like, come on, man, you got to let me, I got to sing in a minute. And he was yeah. you'll be fine. You'll be fine. <laughs> so we're talking to Brett. Well, Hart. <laughs> Go ahead, Brett. Well, I was, I was just going to say that standing around is difficult, would be difficult for me in, in cold conditions, but moving around certainly helps a lot so if you were if you were over there and and you started running sprints you still would be cold but but your your body temperature would warm up some so you and then you get you starting to get chased by by guys twice your size yeah that that kind of keeps your mind on not getting hit rather than i'm freezing my butt off right yeah, no, no, I know. And let's talk about that real quick because obviously I, I remember talking to one time uh it was uh at a Super Bowl event. Uh it was it was in Arizona recently. It was when they played in Phoenix a handful of years ago, a few years ago, whatever. Um I went in to do MC and and do uh the Hall of Fame dinner and play me and uh the guys uh, play some music. And uh I remember talking to Warren Sapp and he said that when he hit Brett, when he hit you uh, even if he blindsided you, you'd pick him up, and he felt like he hit a truck. <laughs> he said it was different. It was different. And the respect that he had for you, you know what I mean? And, and Warren played hard, yeah. right? So Warren wasn't yeah, – oh, yeah. yeah, he was trying to kill you, right? But he said yeah. it was like hitting a buck or something. You know, I can't remember a truck or a buck. or He said it was just not a good idea. Um, it never felt good to hit you. I love it. We're talking to Brett Favre. You're in a Mississippi Minute. We're going to be right back. on the road a lot lately playing shows jumping from one hotel to another thus laying my head on a different pillow every night i got home from rough nights of sleep and a crick in my neck that limited me from turning it either way if you know what i mean after night one of sleeping in my own bed from beds by design and laying on that sweet omni pillow my neck was on the mend do yourself a favor don't fall for all the gimmicks you see claiming their pillow is the best because they aren't. My man Chad and his team at Beds by Design have the honest answer. Give their OmniPillow a shot. Go to OmniPillow.com and enter promo code Steve Azar. That's OmniPillow.com, enter promo code Steve Azar. You're going to sleep like a one-year-old baby. When you see news happening, email us. Email us. News at newsms.fm. Covering every county across the Magnolia State. We're your statewide news source. News Mississippi. News Mississippi. Covering the stories that matter to you. Sports Talk Mississippi. Covering your Mississippi teams. With live reports from the games and practices. Plus exclusive interviews with coaches, players, and legends from the past. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. I get the ball when the game's on the line. I know what I want and I don't change my mind. I'm not telling tales out of school, just speaking the truth. Baby, I I'm Steve Azar. We were back in a Mississippi Minute, all 60 of them, because that's how we roll. I am with my old pal, 
Brett Favre. Take me back to the Oakland Raiders game. Your dad passes away. You decide to play, which was great. I've never seen such – it was the best game of your life, arguably, right? I mean, and you were just on fire. The team was on – everything was just working and and just getting – I can still see you passing, throwing a long touchdown and chasing, trying to get to the end zone before your receiver did. You were always sort of famous for moving and running around afterwards and celebrating. What you know? What was the feeling like before the game? Your decision to do it, and after. Well, the decision to play was easy, and in spite of what people may think, uh, you know, the, the alternative was to come back and and you know and not play in the game and and deal with uh, you know the sorrow and grief and and uh, like my family did, which I knew I would have to do that, uh, but I felt like. And I shouldn't even say I felt. I knew that, uh, and you knew my dad again. Right. That, you know, if there was ever a time he wanted me to play, it would have been when he passed away. Um, I, I could just hear him emphatically. You better not not play in this game. You know, I, right. you, and not only the, 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 the hard part and the big issue was to me, was not playing. I was going to play, but I just didn't want to play and and play bad. And I think people would have given me a pass. You know, what heck is dad just passed away? What do you expect? Um, I didn't want that. I didn't. I you know I didn't want any sympathy. I wanted to. I wanted to honor my dad mm-hmm. like I had never honored him before. Wow. And and the pressure to do that on Monday night football in a game that we had to win to continue our playoff hopes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just, just in a, in, with everything. Okay. is virtually impossible. So to do it when, you know, I know that I got to leave from that game and go bury my father, uh, right before Christmas was incredible pressure that I had never felt before or after. And, and so that the, the question was, can I pull this off? Mm-hmm. Can I pull this off? And, you know, I have to admit, when it was over, I, I knew, you know, I, and I, was, I grew up going to church, was born, a, a, born and raised a Catholic, and believed in, in God. But I think that solidified my, my faith more than anything else in my life. I knew that right. I did not do that alone. No, he was with you. There's no doubt. Yeah. There's no doubt. and Absolutely no doubt. Yeah, no, and I'm with you. You know, same way, grew up, my, my mom and dad go to Mass every morning. I mean, you know, I feel like a heathen just when, when if I somehow miss a Sunday, it's like the worst thing in the world, that guilt, you know, that Catholic guilt. Yeah. But anyway, no, yeah. so I get it. And, well, there's no doubt because he was there on the field with you. It was just too magical. And we got to see plenty yeah. of magical moments for you. You got to experience them, look back on tape and said, probably said, man, that was cool. But this was different. This had a different thing about yeah. it. If you're, if you're a fan of the game and you're watching if you're not a fan of the game what you did for football brett to me is what tiger woods did for golf you're the kind of guy that that everybody if you're a packer fan or you're a cowboy fan or you know wherever the heck it was it didn't matter our saints fan people love brett Favre; they appreciated it and that's what you that's what you did you changed you were sort of America's quarterback, and you've always been that. And if you go anywhere in the world and you ask about number four, they're going to know for the Green Bay Packers, they're going to know it's you. And so you, what a, what a 
gift you've been for the state. You know, we can claim you, although I know you were close to the Louisiana border. They don't get you. We do. And uh, and it's just been really cool to watch. And I appreciate you taking the time uh, and, and telling a little bit more of your story. Uh, Mississippi Minute will never be the same now. <laughs> uh, well, I appreciate you having me on, Steve. All right. All right. And, uh, you're the best, man. All right, let's get together soon and uh, hug let's with the family. It. All right, brother, go get back to the farm. Okay, Steve. All right, love you, pal. Bye-bye. I'm Steve Azar. In a Mississippi Minute, all 60 of them, where you can take your sweet time. You can now follow the latest updates across the state with News Mississippi, the exclusive news partner of Super Talk Mississippi. On air, online, and now on the brand new News Mississippi app, you can select the news and weather alerts you want. Just look for News MS in the Apple App Store and on Google Play. The Dean's List with Janice Dean. A patriotic FedEx delivery man makes the Dean's List. Marine veteran Mike King stopped on his route when he came upon a fallen flagpole and a crumpled old glory on a family's front yard in Ferndale, Maryland. It was a windy day and Mike couldn't bear to see the flag down, so he carefully folded the flag into a proper triangle and tucked it safely into a box on the family's front porch. The Cook family wasn't home at the time, but their surveillance camera caught Mr. King performing the patriotic act. Gail Cook wrote on social media, I hope he gets the recognition he deserves. I can't thank him enough. She noted he took time out on one of the busiest delivery weeks of the year, right after Cyber Monday. Facebook users from across the country praised Mr. King in the comments section of Miss Cook's post. Cindy Nichols wrote, How awesome! Brought a proud tear to my eyes. Thank you, Mike King, for being a kind person and a patriotic one as well. Janice Dean, Fox News. The news doesn't sleep, and neither do we. Fox News Radio, late breaking, up to the minute, from around the world, around the clock, here on Super Talk Mississippi. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.